and welcome to a series of podcasts of ECFR. Today we are listening to Lucas Soukalis, ECFR Council member, in an interview recorded in collaboration with Esloval during his stay in Madrid for the presentation of his new book, In Defense of Europe. He will offer his views on the future of European integration and the challenges the EU faces nowadays. Well, uh, support for European integration has been declining. We are in historical lows, although the lowest was in 2013, which was the peak of the Eurozone crisis. Uh, there is a variety of reasons, and instead of simply denouncing Euroscepticism, we have to think of the reasons people are unhappy and deal with those reasons instead. So I have exactly the same approach I have about people who say there is rising populism. Yes, there is rising populism. But instead of simply denouncing populism, you have to find out why people are unhappy and they are ready to follow populists. And if they are unhappy, you must deal, do something about this unhappiness. Uh, that is a much more constructive approach. So the problem is that uh, there's a variety of reasons why there is rising Euroscepticism. It has to do with the fact that Europe is not so much delivering the goods as it was before. European integration has become more of a divisive issue. Uh, there are winners and losers. It's part of the globalization process. It is also that for those of us who are in the Eurozone, like you in Spain and me in Greece, uh, the Eurozone crisis has cost an enormous amount in terms of output and jobs. We have mismanaged the crisis. We were totally unprepared for the crisis. So it's a succession also of policy failures. And we pay the price for those policy failures. So you have to deal with those problem and, uh, problems and convince people that Europe can deliver. Uh, the center of gravity internationally is shifting away from the Atlantic Ocean and to the east. That's number one. So Western dominance is no longer to be taken for granted. Number two, size matters a great deal in international politics, which means that even the big European countries are not big enough to carry much weight at the international level, where you have mega powers like always the United States, but increasingly also China and possibly some years down the road, India. Mm -hmm. And there is a third given. So one is center of gravity shifting away from us. Number two, size matters and we don't have big enough countries on their own. And there's number three. And the number three is that Europe is surrounded by a big, wide arc of instability. Most of our neighborhood, if I may put it bluntly, is in a mess. And a mess in the neighborhood means that you, the neighborhood is exporting instability, but also growing numbers of refugees and immigrants to Europe. So if these givens that I consider givens are correct, then can you really continue to rely on U.S. security umbrella and you play the role of the free rider on the security provided by the United States? Uh, I'm not suggesting that you break your alliance with the United States, but that you take over some of the responsibilities collectively. And the only thing way you can do it is collectively. Are we ready to do such a thing? I doubt it. But the trouble is, let us draw conclusions. If we are unable to do those things or unwilling, then what is the consequence? The consequence is for Europe to be weak, declining, and increasingly irrelevant. So if people tell me that 
you know, we are not, it's not possible yet. We are not ready yet for taking responsibility for such things. Then my answer is probably you're right. But then you have to decide what are the consequences. And you have to accept the consequences. If Europeans are happy with being a weak, declining, and increasingly irrelevant continent, good luck. Look, the refugee crisis, uh, number one, again, we are unlucky in the same way we were unlucky with the financial crisis. Because what happened is that much of our neighborhood has collapsed, literally. Much of our neighborhood has civil wars, religious wars, failed states, and all those things are exporting instability to Europe. Right? And the trouble is that uh, it's not just one million refugees that came and a bit more to Europe in 2015. If things continue to go wrong in our wider neighborhood, the potential numbers are much bigger. And there is no way that Europe can handle that sort of thing. So that's number one. Number two, of course, the refugee crisis, in the same way as the Eurozone crisis did before, it exposed once again the internal divisions in Europe. Uh, with the Eurozone crisis, the divisions were between creditor and debtor countries. In the case of the refugee crisis, it was more divisions between East and West, because there are countries in Central and Eastern Europe, former communist countries, that simply say that we don't want any foreigners. And if they're foreigners, they should at least be Christians. Okay? So some of the language used in the Visegrad countries by people, we have populists all over Europe. The difference with Central and Eastern Europe is that those populists are in power. In the rest of Europe, they're still not in power. Okay? Some of the, those people use language that's very ugly. It's really very ugly. So solidarity, of course, has gone out of the window in many ways. And this is a problem. It risks becoming like a vicious circle. Uh, there are crises that hit Europe. We are divided. Because we're divided, we cannot deliver. And this weakness becomes self-perpetuating. So unless you break that vicious circle, you are in very deep trouble. So you know, there is a risk, serious risk, for the first time after decades, that uh, the whole process of integration may reverse. And uh, the price of the cost will be enormous. So we should become very clearly aware of what are the stakes. I believe that the stakes are very high. I believe that the European project and European integration is one of the most radical revolutionary experiments in history. And I am proud that it's been happening in Europe. Uh, the project has delivered a great deal for decades in terms of peace, in terms of prosperity, in terms of democracy, in terms of modernization. Right? And this is something that should be very clearly understood in this country, in Spain, in the same way that it should be understood in my country, Greece. Okay? Perhaps more than, say, in Sweden. But things have been going wrong in the last 20 years, progressively wrong. So the European project is failing in a number of ways. And one of the things that I'm trying to do in my new book, In Defense of Europe, is precisely to explain why and how the project has gone wrong. Because we need to understand the problem in order to find a therapy for it. I 
I find that one of the worst services that are done to Europe is by Europeans who come and gather in meetings, happens very often in Brussels, denounce the populists, Eurosceptics and all the rest, and pretend that everything is fine. No, I'm sorry, things are not fine. So we have to understand why things are not fine to deal with them. To pretend that they are fine, or to pretend a small elite pretends that everything is fine, then this is the worst way. This is the way to kill Europe. Okay, so I try to explain what's going wrong with the European project, and then I try to present uh, what are the main challenges and choices facing Europeans today. And I insist there are choices, but there are also very difficult trade-offs. The difference between a populist and somebody else is that the populist perhaps identifies the problem, but pretends as a simple solution. That's always a typical thing. Populists pretend they're simple solutions to extremely complicated problems. Okay? I don't pretend that, but at least I try to show that there are choices between sovereignty and effectiveness, between competitiveness and equality. They're very difficult political choices, but at least let's discuss them and let's make a decision, let's make a choice, instead of pretending that they do not exist. So, I mean, the book is really about the bigger picture. It's not about institutions, about banking union and such, is trying to look at the bigger picture of where Europe stands today and what could be done to save it. Because I believe that the European project is too important to fail.